0: to sharp angles podcast i'm dan basuda joined here by rich rebar rich we are a week removed from the draft we're just uh we're kind of coasting now going through the off like off season mostly kind of done and that's what we'll uh talk about today but now that we've gotten through you know the the big pieces of the off season how are we doing today
1: Real good. I mean, the draft was fun. I thought the draft was successful in Vegas. It made me realize I missed going to Vegas. I haven't been to Vegas in, in a couple of years since the, you know, since the pandemic started. So I, I, I was really thinking all the whole time. I was like, man, I wish I need to go back to Vegas. But uh, yeah, you're right. This is kind of like the rosters are kind of almost set in, set in stone in a way. We're going to have some injuries, unfortunately, and a couple of these free veteran free agents still need to sign guys like Jarvis Landry and We'll see where Julio latches on to. I imagine he's going to go to a good team still. Uh, but that's really it. Yeah, we kind of kind of know what these teams are going to look like right now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so for today's show, we're going to kind of dive in. We, we're not going to do like a, a draft recap. We did round one. Uh, by this point, I, I know you've listened to, you know, 90 podcasts that are, have recapped the draft. So we're going to kind of take everything um and put it together so just kind of like an off-season uh sort of recap the teams that have helped and hurt themselves uh, the most uh by you know free agency and the draft. kind of take a look at all of these uh off-season moves uh together but b- before we get into that let's dive into you know some of the news that has come out in the past week that we haven't really uh talked about and let's start with the Deandre Hopkins suspension because we talked about Marquise Brown mm-hmm. uh, a little bit when we did the the round one recap. Um, and, you know, I think we kind of came out okay with it because it was, you know, Marquise Brown is going to be the the wide receiver two there. That's a better role for him. That's probably a better role for what the Cardinals need in that offense. And then Deandre Hopkins gets suspended for six games for violating the, um, the performance enhancing drugs. Um, policy so he's out for six games marquise brown now turns into carol or arizona's uh wide receiver one and we're kind of just in in the same spot with a lot of different pieces uh so uh what was uh, your takeaway from what uh what the hopkins suspension means and what this might be going forward
1: yeah all the breadcrumbs add up because so remember they signed e- aj green right before the draft too uh, you know, because they could easily sign him just after the fact, right? And, like, you know, he wasn't going to go anywhere. But you see all the breadcrumbs lining up. It does give me some concerns. because, I mean, you look at when DeAndre Hopkins was off the field in this offense. We talked about it during the season last year, uh, you know, especially in Kyler's performance. You know, with him off the field, the average is 6.6 yards per pass attempt. His completion rate plummeted from 72% to 65%. This offense had to run through, you know, Captain Yak, Zach Ertz, and, you know, Christian Kirk in a slot. And, Tyler got kind of punished for that you know and you know this you look at the layout right now and you add Marquise Brown so at least you have that but Marquise Brown is going to basically still play in the interior of this offensive scheme that Cliff Kingsbury has it's still going to be Rondell Moore and you know, Marquis Brown on the inside, and they play these bigger wide receivers on the outside in this scheme because they want those guys to be more effective in the run blocking game. So, are we going to see Antoine Wesley play again with AJ Green? Like, is this something that's going to happen? Is this is a team that plays a little more 12 personnel, and they add a guy like Trey McBride. But yeah, I'm a little concerned just by the fact that we still might see Antoine Wesley play a lot more snaps than I want him to play.
0: Yeah, and and what's interesting there is uh, we talked about it a lot during the year. When DeAndre Hopkins was out, it was Antoine Wesley was DeAndre Hopkins for you know, Mm -hmm. uh, for a a lack of you know, better explanation. You know, Antoine Wesley played the DeAndre Hopkins role, he was outside, like mostly isolated to the left side of the offense, and that's and they didn't really change anything, they just replaced a significantly worse player. I mean, no, all all respect to you, you know, Antoine Wesley and not DeAndre Hopkins, right? You're not able to sustain the same type of offense with him playing that role. Um, But when we, uh, when I was at the combine, we were talking to Cliff Kingsbury and, you know, that was a a question that came up a a couple of times, Uh, like what, what happened with DeAndre Hopkins? And, and he did say like he did not do a good enough job and like we all knew that, Uh, but for him to say that and at least admit it and be able to, um, You know, realize that himself and knowing that that needs work, Uh, he said he didn't do a good enough job adjusting the offense when DeAndre Hopkins was out, and now that is a thing that they are going to have to start the season with. So at least you know they will have the lead up, like you know, through training camp, and they will able to be able to prepare um, for DeAndre Hopkins not to be there uh, for six games. And then uh, I also asked him, kind of, you know, one of the reasons why the alignments of Arizona are so static is because they go faster than any offense, right? Like that is the cliff thing like he, he's not doing motion because they're getting to the line quickly um and and that's how they want to you know test the defense to keep the defense uh, on their toes uh, by by being fast and that and that's part of why everyone kind of lines up in the same spot, because it goes fast. Everyone just goes to the same place. It's not a lot of movement. Um, so I asked him, like, what is the balance? You know, he's trying to find there. And and he said it is something like that they are thinking about uh, and could potentially be doing more. So um, I, I think without Hopkins now, we, we might see, you know, a, a little more motion, have them slow down a little bit and have that be how they're they're working on um you know just setting up the the defense a, a little more so i think like this is going to be you know really big for cliff i know there are a lot of people like around the, the nfl that are are not very high on like what cliff kingsbury brings a, as a head coach um and i think we've been up and down a, a little bit i think he does still you know scheme some things like very well i think there are have been some adjustments that he's made that have been really good. And then there have been other times like last year when Hopkins was out, where like there were just no adjustments made and it's kind of baffling. Um, so I-, I think this is going to be like a-, a real big test and like how they get through that first six games of the season, I-, I think is like kind of like really shapes what the future of the Arizona Cardinals is going to be, not to be like, uh have like this grand, like, Uh, gesture around what this potentially means but like how they adapt to deandre hopkins being out for the first six games like is probably going to show like whether this thing is going to like work long term or if we're like really at the end of this you know the cliff kingsbury tenure
1: yeah we've seen the opposite kind of happen the last two years right where he's failed to make uh, to adapt in season to what's transpired so but they've come out in the gates and started hot the last two years so now he's gonna have to really do work top down and not, you know, really get ahead of things. So, yeah, you're totally right on that. Um, and then this division, you know, obviously we'll see what happens with the 49ers. Uh, I still assume that Trey Lance will be starting, uh, but yeah, you know, they look like the third best team on paper for sure.
0: Yeah, and it's... You know, the, the whole cliff discussion is, is interesting because, like, that first year when they started using 12 personnel all the time, like, that was a big, like, cliff adjustment that worked really well. Um, they, His run game
1: adjustments both years have been awesome.
0: So so that's kind of where I, I was getting. That first year from 12 personnel, they averaged uh, 0.14 EPA per rush, which is, is crazy from a from a heavy personnel. And that's what was so good. That the passing was not very good. They averaged a negative 0.11 epa per drop back and and it's interesting because uh we we talked about it last last week a little bit um you know or maybe we did not maybe it was just twitter because they hadn't drafted trey mcbride yet when when we talked so arizona uses more 12 personnel than you think like they're one of the leaders actually in 12 personnel but they're also one of the leaders in 10 personnel so they're either like super light or they're a little heavier than you think like they're running around you know 20 percent uh 12 personnel with two tight ends on the field um and, like, like, so, like we just said, that first year, that run game was great from 12. Um, It's gotten progressively worse over the past two years. The passing has gotten a little better, but it's still been negative EPA. Um, And, like, you shouldn't really be negative EPA passing for, from 12 because that's kind of, like, it's some natural play action because you're using heavier personnel. You're getting the defense to be a little heavier. You should be able to pass, like, a, a little better. Um, But they haven't really been able to figure that out. But now with Zach Ertz, Trey McBride, like, maybe that helps the passing a little bit um but this yeah yeah this is just going to be like I don't know if if you're running 12 personnel from with the Marquise Brown AJ Green uh Zach Ertz and Trey McBride like uh that's not super exciting but I still am like holding out some hope that Mm -hmm. it, it works a little better because they will have some time to prepare for that at least over the first six games but yeah it's not like we're we're gonna get into teams that have hurt themselves a little bit. Um, I think Arizona is probably there. They're not like fully on my list, but I think you can make the case that they haven't had the greatest off season, especially for a team that probably needs to improve uh, quite a bit in order for some people to be keeping their. Or, or No,pe maybe they don't need a good off season to be keeping their jobs because it's Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury got extensions.
1: They got extensions. <laughs> they <laughs> well they have the oldest i mean they have they have some of the oldest like skill group in the nfl like you know when you talk about wide receiver one i guess now you can remove hopkins from that but you know hopkins you know zach Ertz and james connor is your for your trifecta of your rb1 wide receiver one titan one like that's one of the oldest groups in the league
0: yeah it's 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 not young uh and they're kind of like throwing some things together on the offensive line um it's a uh, the, the pass rushers right now are, I mean, this, this defense has like some good pieces on it, but like, yeah, I think you're really hoping, you know, JJ Watt stays healthy. Uh, because other than that, you still have, you know, um, it's an, I love Marcus Golden, probably still one of the most underrated pass rushers in the league. Uh, but on the other side, you have, you know, Devin Kennard. You really have to hope like Jai Sanders, um, who was a third round pick from Cincinnati, is going to, um, you know be good uh and then like this is a team that last year played like the most snaps with only three defensive backs on the field because like they just didn't have defensive backs um and they didn't really add t- to that group either um so you're still running with like uh marco wilson and byron murphy on the outside so this is this is a super interesting team um and I'm I'm real interested to see like what this looks like because they were they were legitimately good in the first half of the season, um, and then it just kind of all fell apart. So ooh, how they pick up when we start this season, um, uh, now knowing that they're not going to have Hopkins is uh, it, it's one of the things you know that's that's really going to you know set the tone for for what this season is going to look like, especially in that division. So uh, one more. Uh, Tyron Matthew, uh, the saints saints going to saints. Um, you know, yeah, getting a, a decent deal. What is it? Uh, three years, like 33 million. You know, I, I think he probably should have signed earlier in the off season. He kind of waited. Well, like, as you said, we'll, we'll see a couple more, a little more flurries of these free agent signing. Now that the comp picks, um, are, are no more. That was, uh, the Monday after the draft, uh, there's no more comp picks, uh, for uh free agents that are signing so so we'll see a couple more of these guys um you know the saints now again we like we've had a lot of saints conversations um on this podcast and uh and through the draft you know we we talked about kind of what they gave up but this is at least a super interesting defense right when you look at what they can potentially be like be doing in the secondary like Tyron Matthew, you know, Chauncey Gardner Johnson and and PJ Williams can all do like a little bit of this same thing to like very varying levels, right? Um, you know, I'm not saying like PJ Williams should be like in in that type of discussion as you know the the quality of player but they can kind of all do you know some of the same things so i think there's a lot of ways you can kind of maneuver around that defense especially when you have you know Marcus May playing that free safety role um so i at least like they're they're they they can do some cool things on defense i think we can still you know hold out whether that offense is going to be good enough like for the saints to be uh, as close to contenders as they clearly think they are um but At least, you know, the defense and and Dennis Allen still there as the head coach now. um, At least we'll see some some interesting things on defense. And I think like Tyron Matthew does kind of like change, I think, the the potential upside of what that defense could be. So we might just see like a a, a defense carrying uh, what might be maybe an average to below average offense. um, And maybe that's good enough to compete for a wild card in the NFC.
1: I mean, I've, I've bagged on the Mickey Loomis for the approach he takes, but I mean, when you look at this roster and the talent on the roster currently, I believe he's he's mortgaged a lot of the future, and eventually that will come to come to be a negative on this roster. But when the in the construct of the NFC, especially the NFC South, I mean, there's there's definitely talent here. They won nine games last year with you know basically uh, you know Taysom Hill dragging a terrible offense, you know, and, and the deep well the defense dragging them, I should say. Uh, and they won nine games, so I mean they should definitely be in the mix to win nine, ten games again this year. Uh, I think that the offense actually has probably m- maybe a little more upside than than you do uh, because you look at Jameis Winston and how he had to play last year. You know, you brought up the low A dot, but like his A dot's not going to be there. At the there there the, uh, where it was last year, his he targeted Alvin Kamara was his number one target. He threw the most passes to Alvin Kamara. Like we talk about all the time with Justin Herbert, like A dots not a quarterback stat. It's a receiver stat. And when you're throwing all the passes, the most passes you're throwing are to Alvin Kamara, your A dots going to suck. Uh, now he's get Michael Thomas back, and they add.
0: Chris I, well, Lovett. you just uh, if you. <laughs> If your argument for a higher ADOT is Michael Thomas coming back, I'm not sure. Well, it's going to be higher than a running say ADOT, for sure.
1: <laughs> uh, you know, so you get two more players. That, you know, they still have Taysom Hill now moving the tight end, but we assume Taysom Hill is still going to do other things. I mean, it would be foolish not to use Taysom Hill as a runner near the goal line because he's been so effective there. Uh, so we'll see how much they do that. But you talked about just, the, and they've kept the coaching staff intact. You lose Sean Payton, but Pete Carmichael and Dennis Allen are still the coaches there. So how much, like, changes and, and are we going to really see uh and like i said just the lead off that the nfc is still open outside of the upper crust so i could see the saints being a better team record wise than probably people assume right now just then based on how they finished and the assumption of sean Payton leaving i could definitely see that happening
0: yeah i think the the range on the saints is very high right we could we could see them be a push for a wild card i think it's not out of the realm of possibility that they are one of the worst teams in the NFC if kind of everything falls apart. Like we, part of what made James William, uh, wow. James Winston. Um, I'm in draft mode. I had very almost said, uh, Jameson Williams while talking about James Winston. That's at least imagine if Jameson Williams went to the Saints, that would be impossible to talk about. Um, so part of what made Jameis Winston so good last year is, like, he barely had to throw, right? That He was throwing, like, 19 times a game. Um, that's part of why his EPA was uh, so high. Um, and I- I'm sure if he was around for, you know, the rest of the season, um, mm-hmm. it, that that would have gone down, right? And we kind of saw that league-wide. Um, you know, Jameis Winston finished, like, we can say, like, he finished, like, second in EPA uh per drop back um for the full season but when he was playing he was only like ninth um so like we would have seen that drop the way like kind of passing efficiency kind of did over the second half of the season league wide um so if we do see winston kind of pushing the ball down the field a little more we do see him throwing a little more that's when you get in trouble a little bit with with james winston so um you know I, again like it, it it could definitely be fine um but i for the steps that the saints took to get to, you know, maybe they could be fine. Uh, You know, is (laughs) that's the kind of, you know, the, the issue there. So, so we'll see, but again, I have a little more confidence in the defense than I did even like maybe a week ago, because I I think like, there are a lot of pieces you can can move around Uh, and there are still good players there. So, Oh, we'll see. Um, yeah, I think now with me
1: being in, like, full fantasy rankings mode, I'm, like, trying to see the glass half full, like, approach with every player right now. So I'm at least giving the glass half full approach to Jameis, Michael Thomas, and Chris Olave right now. And we hope Kamara doesn't get suspended, and then it's okay.
0: Yeah, we'll see. Uh, yeah, that's that's another thing. That's uh...
1: They also, if we're talking about the Saints, we also should mention they had the most injured offensive line in the NFL last year. And they at least attacked that during the draft too.
0: Yeah. And that was, you know, one of one of their, you know, using a lot of draft capital yes. uh, to do that. I mean they they took uh Trevor Penning, who I think but they, they didn't take a quarterback. They no, they they didn't. Um we kinda of figured they probably wouldn't. Um, but they did like a quarterback's trade. Worth of uh, moving yes. up for Chris Obave. Um <laughs> but so they they took Trevor Penning to to get on that offensive line, and I think if you you know read some people who are uh, you know more in tuned for for actual offensive line skill than us, I think you're you know there's uh, mixed reviews. I think on how you know ready Trevor Penning is to uh, slide right in uh, and start. So again, we'll we'll see about that. So let's let's dive into. And some of these these teams, right? So we're we're not going to do a straight draft recap. I, I want to kind of we sit here now, the beginning of May. Most of the major moves are done. We think maybe who knows? Um, you know. Uh, the way this off season is going maybe someone gets traded like five minutes after you know we uh we've finished this podcast so but with you know most of the major moves we've seen the big free agent signed we've seen the draft classes now so let's get into like some teams that have kind of helped themselves uh, and hurt themselves uh, a little bit throughout uh this off season as we look forward to to 2022 um and my first team and we've kind of we've talked about them uh, a bunch but i think they probably remain one of the bigger winners of, um, of the offseason is, is the Chargers. Um, and, you know, I think we look, Khalil Macktrade, who we talked about, that's the great value for for a second-round pick. Um, signing uh, JC Jackson, we've uh, talked about how that sh- kind of changes what you can do on the defense, uh, kind of changes how you can structure some coverage. Um, you know, as Sebastian Joseph Day, having him on the defensive line now adds to one of the worst run defenses in football last year. Like, they could not stop the run. I think that helps a lot. Um, and so I also I just wrote about i've talked on the podcast plenty about this wide receiver market Uh, i just wrote about it for uh for the site uh, which you can read and you know going over what this wide receiver market like currently looks like the mike williams deal like when we talked about it when it was first signed off the franchise tag like averaging 20 million dollars a year like wow like he's at the top of the wide receiver market like he's going to be like not even a top 10 wide receiver by average value in like six months maybe like it, it's already like bottom of, of the top five um so for them to get out ahead early like him and Chris Godwin who averaged 20 million dollars a year uh, a month ago that was, uh like the highest wide receiver contract that's already not that um so they do have you know two wide receivers who are making over 20 million dollars a year they're the only team uh, to do that they're second in wide receiver spending uh behind the giants which is very funny um oh, when i looked at that uh last week or yesterday uh, while i was writing so they there's just... some
1: talent on the giants roster is there there is. <laughs>
0: that, that, should not be, that should not be the team that has the most money in wide receivers spending, though. <laughs> uh, so um, I, I just think that the Chargers have figured out what they need to do, uh, and this team just kind of as a whole um, in, in team building and putting some pieces together and where the resources needed to go this offseason, I think they did a, a fantastic job in that.
1: Yeah, echo all of that. I mean, the the Chargers did an amazing job. Really the only thing this team is missing right now is just a little more speed and maybe insurance at right tackle if Zion Johnson's going to play right guard instead of tackle Uh, because you can't have Storm Norton play any amount of snaps like the level he did last year. That's really it, though. Everything else they short up, uh, they get a great deal on J.C. Jackson. You get Cleo Mack. You get get on the opposite side of Bosa. Uh, everything looks good. I, I mean, the, the Chargers have historically been loosey with the football for us, but it's hard not to really love what they did, especially having Justin Herbert on a contract. And, you know, I was just a huge fan of Bran Staley and the job he did year one anyway. So I'm excited to see what happens with them in year two.
0: Yeah, and it's one of those things like we can, you know, say Chargers and they're they're going <laughs> to Charger, kind of like the the Saints are going to Saints. They're, they're two very different things. But, you know, this is, uh, it, it's still a different, it's a different regime. Um, I think you know, Tom Telesco yeah. has been very good at like getting good players um, over you know his tenure, uh, and I think there there is a coaching staff in place now that could potentially get the most out of those players, which has not always been the case uh, for the Chargers. So uh, yeah, I think like it, it's hard to step away from the full offseason um and and not think that they've been you know one of the best teams especially like on that defense and kind of what they did uh, in the draft like JT Woods is a guy like in the third round who's just kind of you know it's super speedy but I think he like he's a guy if you play some more like three safety uh sets uh have him deep with Adderley you can move Derwin James around Uh, like there are a lot of possibilities here and I'm really excited to, to watch the Chargers um another team uh like I, we've talked about the Eagles uh, quite a bit too, and we talked about them after round one because um, obviously they made like some of the the biggest moves. The, the AJ Brown one being um, the the biggest, uh, but you know what they did in in the offseason also, um, you know, uh, bringing in Hassan Reddick uh, is also like, just insane value uh, for what we've seen like some other pass rushers to go for um, and to put him in like whether he's going to play like a little more you know off off ball to just blitz more and drop some more into coverage and that's kind of a role he played in Carolina and not to the extent he did like his first couple years in Arizona where they kind of like didn't know what to do with him I think you very much know like what the Hassan Reddick role is going to be now we bring in AJ Brown and then in the draft Jordan Davis and and N'Kobe Dean um even if N'Kobe Dean like the, the injuries are clearly apparently what dropped him to the third round. Um, but even if he doesn't play much as a rookie, like getting a player like that uh, in the third round, who could potentially start in 2023, uh, that's still great value uh, in the, in the third round. So for them to kind of beef up a, a lot of, you know, there's probably still some questions in the secondary, um, but for them to, have like impact players like all over the place uh, throughout free agency and the draft. Like that, that's a really exciting team too.
1: Yeah. And I wonder too, if almost, I don't want to say by design, I think they would like more talent in the back end. but you know, we've seen kind of where Nick Sirianni and Jonathan Gannon come from with the Colts. The Colts have done the same approach kind of with their secondary, right? Like they really haven't done a lot of investment. They try to pick up some veterans, try to coax out a year or two more out of those guys so maybe they're just going to go with the coach mup up stance, but I mean, you love what they added to the defensive front with Reddick and, and Jordan Davis. They get keep you know uh, Fletcher Cox, uh, bring him back, and then offensively, like you just left yourself with outs. The, 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 the reason I like the Eagles so much is because structurally they set themselves up for one; they'll still probably compete for the division and a wild card again this year with the way the NFC East is structured and the and the NFC in total. And then also, if you're just not sold on Jalen Hurts, if he doesn't make that jump, you have outs in the future years now because you didn't forego uh, all that draft capital when you trade for AJ Brown. So, and then the AJ Brown contract itself was right in line with kind of like everything. Like they they can get out of it technically after 2024, realistically after 2025 or kind of restructure it at that point if he's you know absolutely smoking. So, uh, I just like it from the big from a process stance. I like what the Eagles did more than even just looking at the players because they set themselves up to be competitive right now and also competitive in the future.
0: Yeah, and that's that's kind of one of one of the big things like and they've probably done that better than everyone else. Like we kind of saw as soon as they made that trade with the Saints that got that future uh, 2023 first, you kind of, you saw it. it, And last year with the dolphins, the dolphins trade when dolphins came back up. Right. Um, yeah, it's all, it's all kind of the same thing. It's, it's a bunch of, um, it's just a a bunch of moves that, that prepare you for the future. They're kind of prepared for they're they're built for the best case scenario, but they're also prepared for the worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. And that's not, we don't see a lot of teams doing that. Um, kind of interesting we saw like maybe the the titans go like half and half uh, with that and i don't think they you know expected uh malik willis would be there in, in the third round to kind of have maybe a, a contingency plan but it's now a better contingency plan that they than they had on um, at any point but the eagles are like fully prepared and i think like when we you know we all of those 2023 mocks have have now come out that have like <laughs> you know six or seven quarterbacks in in the first round and that's you know probably not going to happen but because it is you know, supposed to be a more impressive quarterback class. Um, you know, the, the Eagles are, are one of the teams that are prepared with two firsts. Um, we saw how many teams had two firsts this year, um, but the Eagles are, are now one of those teams that have loaded up with, with two firsts next year. And there are now, you know, fewer teams uh, that would be prepared to make a move if they have to next year. And then that's, yeah, that's just one of the, the things with the Eagles. They're, they're definitely set up to succeed right now. And like, they have a very good roster uh, to do that. And then uh, they're just, they're ready for whatever, whatever happens, uh, which, which is a a great place uh, to be. Um, One team that I think kind of fully went in a a little bit um, with what they need to do this year is uh, the Miami dolphins. Uh, Again, we, it's a team that we talked about uh, a bit, the, the Tyree kill trade, obviously the Cedric Wilson, um, you know, we like him as a, as a wide receiver three. Um, the, I, Mike McDaniel is probably the, the, as much as, you know, Tyree kill is going to have an impact. Mike McDaniel might be, you know, the biggest addition uh, to that team just for, you know, the the scheme he's going to bring and the ways they can open up some things that, that weren't there in um, in the, you Know the previous version of whatever the 2021 version of that offense was, which again, like we never have to talk about that again, which is very exciting. Um, and then, uh, what they did in the draft, they so they didn't have a lot of draft picks, um, obviously because of, of Tyreek Hill, but to get Channing Tyndall in the third round, um, is I like he is a very Miami Dolphins defense type player, and when Mike McDaniel, uh came to the Dolphins he kept the defensive staff in place because he said like it gave him fit preparing for them uh when the 49ers played them in 2020 so um we're going to see a lot of the same things like whether we you know see the um you know uh, a mobile front with with everyone just kind of standing at the line I'm not sure if we'll like how much of Brian Flores uh was that and how much was you know the staff that's still in place um but it For Tyndall, he's going to be a guy who um, uh, he blitzed like almost a quarter of the time uh, at at Georgia. He was a very effective pass rusher uh, on top of the volume there. He was like one of the best tacklers um, in. In college football last year. Um, and so he's just going to like seamlessly fit in there and be like a, a good role player. So, like, just kind of building on the ideas they have, which are like they have a very fun structure on offense. I think they have a very fun structure on defense. I think they'll be a little healthier. They'll be better on defense. Um, and, and that's a team like, especially like, I think we'll get to uh, some other teams in um, the AFC East uh, here in a little bit when we talk about teams that have hurt themselves. Um, the uh, the Dolphins like it. They they have the pieces where you can see like there is probably improvement on the horizon like very soon.
1: Yeah, and I mean they had a great free agency in offseason too. See, even like you had guys like Teddy Bridgewater to to there, Raheem Mostert, Chase Edmonds, like all those are the big time you know scheme fits and needs. Uh, Cedric Wilson, it's it all kind of all the ancillary moves all kind of add up to for them. I also I mean in the AFCs too. I don't want to, like, like low-key, the Bills had a really great offseason. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the the Bills are really good, so you don't really, like, uh, kind of think about that. But, like, all the moves they made were still, you know, they, they did the necessary moves. They, you you low-key add Jamison Crowder, who can be, like, an effective bridge to a guy like we like, like Khalil Shakur. They, they, they scoop him up for a little bit of value in the draft. Um, they get Keir Elam, you know, the, to play cornerback. We were talking about them being a cornerback move. They do such a good job of just getting, like, capable bodies on the offensive line like Roger Saffold, wasn't necessarily great last year but you get him on the cheap he's a guy that has proven experience that's kind of what they've done with this offensive line you know since this regime has kind of taken over is get these lower end kind of veteran guys to come in and play and we saw uh show and take this approach to the Giants uh you know this offseason as well but they they retain Ryan Bates uh which who the the commanders were trying to sign to almost call them the the football team again. They should still be the football team. And they've literally told us that for the entire time they want to add some kind of like dynamic pass-catching role to this backfield. They were in the mix for Travis Etienne last year. They were in the mix for J.D. McKissick, actually had like an agreement with him, and then they go out and get arguably the best pass-catcher in this draft class in James Cook. So we haven't seen the Bills incorporate that running back out of the backfield into their offense the previous two years, so we don't really know what it's going to look like. But they clearly had something in mind for that type of player. And I'm kind of excited to see what's going to be. And you still, you know, you keep his Isaiah McKenzie, who's been productive when he's been able to play in the field. You saw Gabriel Davis. I mean, the bills, um, it's gonna be hard for me not to still go back to the bills as, as the favorite in the AFC, even though they, they twisted my heart out last year.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's so they were, I, I wasn't really counting, uh, the Bills as like a you know a team the Dolphins are going to compete with in, in the AFC East, right? I kind of have them on a, at a tier uh, above, and then it's you know the the other the other teams and, and the Patriots uh, being one of them who uh, uh, we'll get to uh, in a little bit. But but you're right, like the, the Bills are, are another team that have just been you know, great, um, and I think like oh, and so there was there was a, a lot has been made of kind of. You know, using some of that draft capital on uh, on on a running back, um, you know, especially like with the Jets, uh, we on our first round uh, recap we. Uh, said thank you to all teams to like not giving us the the first round running back discourse uh but we like got first round running back discourse without a running back going in in the first round um i, I wait till know. next year there's
1: gonna be a first round running back next year i, I, I don't it. know how
0: we did that but the, the thing about james cook which um is interesting and, and it's something i think uh brandon bean said it's um you know having uh it, it's not just a, a a running back who can catch it's a running back who can you know potentially you know line up wide and and it's not something where like he's going to be you know a, like playing wide receiver but i think it goes to being able to play an empty right and that was such a big thing last year uh, across the league we saw some of the best offenses were were running empty um So often um, we look at like I I wrote about it for the Super Bowl. The the two emptiest teams, the teams that ran empty the most, were were the Rams and the Bengals, and we kind of saw what you can do for that. And the the Bills just didn't really have that. Right, Josh Allen was twenty fourth in the rate of of dropbacks from empty, only twelve percent. And I think having being able to do that from either like, you know, 10 personnel or, or 11 personnel um, and having a running back who at least has the ability to be, you know, in the slot or out wide or whatever from empty, like he's not going to be, you know, doing that. They're not going to be running like, you know, uh, you know, 21 personnel with, you know, De- Devin Singletary in, in the backfield. Um, and, and like James Cook is not going to be like the slot receiver. Like that's, that's not what the bills are talking about, but to be able to run empty a little more, kind of opens up what this offense could potentially do. Um, you can have you know the, the quarterback run game from empty to I think like that is that is a piece that really opens up some more possibilities for the Bills that they just didn't have um last year because they didn't really have a, a running back who could take that type of role. Um, and I, I think that that's that's a big piece of what they're doing. And then like you said, like we've gone through the Bills offseason, and we didn't even say that they added Von Miller, yeah. <laughs> right? Like one of the biggest uh uh the free agent signings, um, they're they're just putting that on a defensive line that was you know com- constantly rotating, and I think that'll help keep Von Miller fresh. Like we talked about that when when he signed, um, yeah, just all over the place uh, that the Bills did uh, a very good job. Um, do you uh, do you have any other teams uh, that you think uh, have had a, a pretty good offseason? Um, I mean, it's hard,
1: like you said, to, to go. We forget free agency is kind of like removed, but I mean, obviously the Bengals did everything they needed to do. Uh, you know, to, to re, kind of refurbish that offensive line. It's th- This is a team that was second in the NFL in touchdown rate per drive on drives they didn't get sacked on. So, like, there's still another gear the Bengals' offense has, you know, moving forward. Um, so, like, they're another team that, that kind of stands out. Uh, I think you were kind of nudging to, towards, like, the Jets, right? Like, the two the bad teams, right, that definitely look like they position positioned themselves well are the Jets and the Lions, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I... so I'm not – sure how like I- i'm not getting into like the the twitter discourse that like the jets draft was only good because we like the draft capital like they, they got good players like I- I- i'm i not there but like but I th- they
1: spent it largely outside of Brees hall they spent the draft capital the past two years on positions to invest draft capital in. yeah
0: so like <laughs> they-, they they had a good draft like i'm not sure if i'm going to still be super high on the jets yet um so right. i think they like They did a good job, Uh, not ready for like to name them winners of, you know, the offseason if we were doing that, Um, because I still think like I I like what the the Dolphins did uh, a little bit more. Um, And like so, so much of it just kind of comes down to to Zach Wilson, right? right? Uh, It all comes down to him. That's the
1: same thing when we get to the Lions, like they still have to get quarterback, right?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, I was I was going to put the Lions here, but again, it's it's kind of the, the same thing. Like I think they're they're setting themselves up well. We talked about the the Jameson Williams trade up. Like I I don't mind that, that at all. I think to for getting a potential like star wide receiver, uh, to give up like the the least value of any day one or day two trade up. Like they paid the lowest premium, uh, for that trade up, uh, which I think is, is fine. Um, that's that's still good process like um, I'm not now I'm not down on that and then uh, for them to kind of add what they did like this is a, an interesting receiving core um it's a you know improved offensive line um I have a lot of faith in the defensive coaching staff kind of coaching up a lot of these uh, defensive backs who they had um, last year you look like uh, the um, Mario warrior um, and and guys like that um, I mean, add uh,
1: DJ Reed too, plus Sauce.
0: Uh. uh, yeah. So yeah, for the for the Jets, um, I think that's the they they do have some some interesting pieces. Um, you know, if they're healthier, like I could see them being you know fine. Uh, but like you said, it all it all comes down to the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the more interesting team in the AFC East. Uh, and we'll get to teams that kind of seems like they hurt themselves. Uh, the New England Patriots. I, maybe the most confusing offseason of any team. Uh, especially like considering what they lost, right? They had made no effort to re-sign J.C. Jackson. Um, and then didn't really bring in anyone to replace him. Uh, you know, the trade away for Shaq Mason for just a, a fifth-round pick. Um, you also lose Ted Karras. Uh, you trade away Chase Winovich. Um, And then all you gained, really, was Devante Parker, who's I don't know fine I don't know how much he's really helping that offense uh, Jabril Peppers coming off a torn ACL I think like he fits kind of what they want to do defensively um, to, the most Patriots
1: player ever right to, to play some like
0: more three safety looks and they they had some really good three safety looks um, last year um, and so I think like we'll, we'll see Peppers play in the box um, a, a little more he won't have to mm-hmm. do as much coverage which is kind of where he struggles um, but it's interesting though because like, yeah, Adrian Phillips, Devin McCourty, and Kyle Duggar are still really good. So like, are you playing four safeties sometimes? Um, that that'll be an interesting rotation there. Um, and then like, the Ty Montgomery was their other like free agent add. Um, and then I I mean Devontae Parker, yeah, I, I mentioned uh, Devontae Parker. He's, he's, again fine. Like <laughs> it, that's that's not really what this offense needed. I mean, this offense just kind of needed a wide receiver who could play wide receiver um i guess uh but that's not exactly like what you would have hoped they added especially like needing explosion uh in this offense which is what we talked about throughout the throughout the season like they just they didn't really have big plays in them um i don't think the the fastest wide receiver in the draft sure i would like if he could like play wide receiver a little more um i think you're basically just kind of like it's a Nelson Aguilar type thing, right? Where like you can have him stretching, uh, like stretching the defense and, and taking the top off and, and trying to do that. But whether that turns into actual explosive plays, I think is, is to be determined. But yeah, you look at that draft. I think they like overdrafted him a, a little bit. And I think that's kind of the whole Patriots draft. They they don't really care about where guys are slotted elsewhere like around the league they're taking the players that they want so uh, again cole strange we talked about that after the first round um you know tack thornton was second round and then and marcus jones who's a very like good kick returner uh is about 58 so whether you know he's able to hold up as a cornerback or not uh is going to be uh you know we'll, we'll see about that but when you look like they've the secondary right now, like they've re-signed Malcolm Butler. Uh, Jonathan Jones is going to be uh, playing quarter. You have uh, Jalen Mills. Um, I like Miles Bryant a lot, but um, again, like this is not a team. And it may be, maybe the, the thing we're overlooking the most is either Joe Judge or Matt Patricia is going to be the offensive designer and play caller for this team, um, which I think like I'm out. Right there already. <laughs>
1: yeah, they did it a couple years ago with Bill O'Brien too, right? Where he was kind of like the stand-in uh, OC, kind of. Which is like, they...
0: but that's fine. Like Bill O'Brien, <laughs> yeah, has it's been, true. Like, true. He has been an offensive coach. Um, <laughs> Joe Judge was a wide receiver coach for a year um while doing the special teams coordinator before he was head coach of the Giants. And uh if you're using yeah, the Giants as uh, as a, as as the basis for his offensive philosophy. Uh, I think we, we have some questions there and, and same thing with Matt Patricia, at least like he has coached on the offensive side of the ball in his career. But again, like I, I think we do have like Joe judge offensive play caller and, um and that just. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Cool. Yeah, it's rough, man. Patriots had a real tough go uh this offseason. And, and and you know, they they've always operated with a little bit of hubris and you know you can when you had a guy like Tom Brady for so many years. Uh but you know, I, I judge, you know, the drafts based on I don't really care so much about the players because like we're gonna be so like wrong about players where people yeah. judge people typically draft grades revolve around players. I care more about your process through the draft. And I don't care so much that you, you reached on a player in Cole Strange. I care that you reached on an offensive guard. Uh, <laughs> then you look at the rest of the draft. You take a, a backup quarterback in the fourth round. You take two backup running backs. Like Running back is the furthest necessity on this team uh,
0: imaginable. Uh, you know, Except the, the, you, it's the Patriots, so they're all going to play like a madman right. <laughs> amount.
1: But, yeah, I mean, you look at the middle of that draft and they go, you know, two undersized cornerbacks, at least they're cornerbacks. But then you go backup quarterback sandwiched by two running backs. And I just don't get it. I just don't understand, like, what the approach was there. Um, you know, and then you look at, like, a team like the Bears and like you, you're like, well, we don't want to judge them on individual players. But you look at the Bears and fir- you look at their first five draft picks and four of them are 23 years old or older. And it's like this is a team that's clearly not looking at the right information. Uh, in terms of drafting i feel like that's what the patriots do like they just aren't looking at the proper information to guide you to successfully make good draft picks and have successful drafts um because i mean yeah th- it's really tough to look at this patriots offseason come out and film better for a team that made the playoffs last year like i feel like they're like the, i like the dolphins a lot more than the patriots on paper
0: yeah i do you're not gonna find an, an argument here uh mm-hmm. and uh, it it I'm finding it hard to see where the Patriots improved from last year. Um, like, I'm not sure there's a spot on the roster where they're really better. And like, if you want to make the case for Devonte Parker, making wide receiver better, like sure. But it just overall, this is uh this is a worse roster when,
1: it's kind of the Jaguar situation, right? Like the, they have better wide receivers in total than what they had last year. But like, do you still have a good wide receiver?
0: I just, I'm, we were not stand for that Christian Kirk uh, slander <laughs> on this, on this podcast. Um, so you mentioned the bears. Let's get to them because they in some way have an off season that you can understand Right. They came into a this regime came into a situation where the past GM head coach did not do a very good job, uh, left this team kind of uh, cash strapped a little bit uh, against the cap. So they had to do a lot Mm -hmm. of, you know, cleaning that up, which in a sense, it it, like you can understand Mm -hmm. that. Right. But part of that equation is, you now have Justin Fields on the second year of his rookie deal. And when you look at what they were doing, like they did not make a lot of impact moves in free agency, but they they wanted to. Right. They almost signed Larry Open Joby to a pretty significant deal. Um, that was then voided because he didn't pass their physical. So, like, they did want to make a big move on the interior defensive line. And then once that fell through, they kind of sat out the rest of everything, right? So, we have like Byron Pringle and Equinomy St. Brown are like the two big free agent ads. Um, you know, they did sign uh, Tavon Young, who is a very good nickel corner when he is healthy. Um, has not been healthy over the past couple years. years. Uh, and like, those are the three big free agents. When you look at the draft again, like this defense was not good. There was not a lot of talent there. So you can understand why they take Kyler Gordon. Uh, you can understand why they take Jaquan Brisker, who I, I like Jaquan, Jaquan Brisker like a lot. Um, he was up there with like Lewis seen for me as like the second best safety in this class behind um, Kyle Hamilton. But to like come out of this off season and having like the roster that they currently do um, around Justin Fields, like man, like and again, like you're, you're taking Vilas Jones in in the third round to again, like you say, an older prospect, a really good um, you know kick returner. Uh, but he like, should have sure. been uh, he
1: he's six years older than everyone he's playing against. He should look explosive next to those guys.
0: Yeah, that be twenty
1: five years old. He's gonna be twenty five years old as a rookie.
0: Yeah, it's it's not great. And then like, they're
1: the next guy they took the offensive tackle Braxton Jones, be twenty three year old rookie. Downey Robinson, twenty four year old rookie. Zach Thomas, twenty four year old rookie. Like you're not looking at the right information. Like this is this is you're in, you're shopping in the wrong grocery lane. And like, this stuff has all been proven. Like, and more teams have gotten away from this and Ryan Poles just swerved into it. And it's like, we're going to draft our guys. We don't care about that. You know, the the age factor or anything. It it just, it, they're just just totally running in the face of like objective data that shows you not to do these things. And they just, they just did it. They swerved
0: right into it. Right. And, and then one of those things is like, it was clear they went into the draft Wanting to get more draft picks because it's it was a depleted roster and they needed it, but like that was also some at some points like to the detriment of like players they could have added. And again, like we're going to miss on players, but like there's a guy like they traded like out of the pick that like like almost immediately became like Khalil Shakir, and like Khalil Shakir might be like the best, the second best. Uh, receiver on the Bears if he like was on the roster Um, like so there were just like some pieces that you know that could have been added um, that that really weren't and when you kind of go on like what they could have uh, what they like wanted to give on that contract to open Joby and then kind of like figure how that eventually played out into the offseason where uh, we're looking at like again like one of the worst rosters uh, in the league probably from from top to bottom um, it it puts you in a, a very difficult place uh, while you were, you know, trying to, you know, figure out what Justin Fields is, um, and eventually, like heading into year three uh, in that, like that. It's I, I understand it. why they took the plan they did and the long-term planning, not to sacrifice um, anything in that way to like just try to build a roster just to do it. Uh, you know, they didn't overspend anywhere, like at wide receiver. Um, but yeah, like it—it it, it certainly doesn't help you, and, and it might not help you long term either if you don't really know what this roster is going to be. And I think that's kind of where the Bears are right now.
1: Yeah, you're just looking for some, some identity, right? Some some
0: some, in, some direction. Yeah, some kind. Like what? <laughs> yeah, it—it's just one of those. Like what exactly? is this team right now? Like, what are they trying to be? And I, I don't really know. Um, like, you know, the, the Jets are bad, but you can kind of tell what they want to be. Um, the, the Falcons have an awful roster, but like you can kind of tell what they they want to be, right? You have uh, Drake London and Kyle Pitts, which is just like a, a nightmare. Um, like imagine stacking the two of them on like one side and having like, Five ten corners trying to um d- defend that, and and Desmond Ritter at least like you have uh, a, again a, a contingency that you that was better than what they entered the draft with, right? So uh, it, w- like we still have bad teams in the league with bad rosters, but we kind of like know how they want to get out of there. Like Houston is another one, um right? Oh
1: gosh, Houston, my goodness.
0: Yeah, I mean that's still a bad roster, but it now has like double the amount of good players <laughs> that they had before the draft. Like at least we kind of, we, we see the long-term picture uh, with the bears. I'm just, I, I don't know what that is.
1: Yeah. I don't either. Yeah. Houston's interesting because, you know, you look at their draft and at least the positional at least from a positional stance, you know, Derek Stingley, you know, you take the cornerback, but like, he's a guy that, you know, was kind of, you know, not played up to what he was early in his career the last two years. You take a player that's coming off an ACL injury and John Menchie, who obviously was going to be like a a Patriots fit. So it's no, uh, it's no surprise that, you know, Castellaro likes them too. And then you take Kenyon Green, who's like an interior offensive lineman that really kind of like highly, they took him at 15 and he's a guy that like, you know, you look at athleticism, which really has the biggest signal for one position it's offensive line. And like, he's not, he's not a great athlete. Very interesting approach that they've had uh to on their roster. Uh not feeling really good about the Texans right now.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things like they I mean they they needed good players, and I guess like they, Maybe. they did get that like a, a little bit. Like I think, you know, Stingley is good. Uh you know, Jalen Petrie uh also very good. So um, you know, we'll we'll see again. Like this is not about, you know, twenty twenty two for for the texans oh god no um and it's not like (laughs) lovey smith will
1: not be the coach
0: of the good version of the texans whenever they are good again man so this is (laughs) this is going to be great for the texans because they'll go into like the third straight off season of wanting to hire josh McCowan as head coach but without josh McCowan having any coaching experience right so like Josh McCowan, like, hasn't even ended up on, on a staff somewhere where, like, Houston should have told him, like, go be, like, an offensive assistant somewhere so at least you have some coaching experience when we want to hire you for a head coach in in a year or two, which they very clearly want to do. Like, they desperately want Josh McCowan to be the head coach of that football team. Um, and no one else in the league, like, wants to have him on staff. <laughs> So so they'll continue doing doing the charade where they will hire uh, or they'll at least interview Josh McAllen for like the third straight off season. It's a great bit. I hope they I hope it just continues for like 5 years.
1: <laughs>
0: Until like someone eventually hires him as an offensive coordinator and then like they finally have their their reasoning that he's experienced. Um so yeah, that's that's where we are with with some of these teams uh, at that, at the bottom uh, of the league, but yeah, it's you know, pray, uh, pray for Justin Fields, man. It's it's not it's not a better offensive line. Um, you know, Darnell Mooney is good, but uh, the hope Byron Pringle also is. Um, so yeah, that's 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 kind of that's where we are. Um, yeah. So we'll we'll hope that it, it continues to to get better um, at least. So that'll be uh, that'll be it for. For that show today um you know some some interesting things like we, we still have some some things to work out like we said they're there are going to be injuries we still have some veteran uh veterans who are, are going to be signing over the next you know a couple weeks and uh as we get into some you know otas and and training camp uh in a little bit like we're we're a little bit of a lull in the off season so um we will continue to be back weekly we'll, we'll have a, a little bit of a, a rotation now with um with what we're doing on this podcast feed. We're going to still have some some betting stuff. We'll have Ryan McChrystal back. Uh, we'll get uh, back into some fantasy stuff. Rich has been putting out uh, rankings uh, for the 2022 season. He's also been... Uh, already done some some dynasty and the rookie rankings for fantasy you can find them all on sharpfootballanalysis.com and and through the offseason all that stuff is free that's all uh, paywalled uh, during the regular season but you can find all this stuff uh, for free on sharpfootballanalysis.com um, right now throughout the offseason so if you're uh, thinking about fantasy football at, at any point and you're not reading rich I'm not sure uh, what you're doing so uh, you can find rich on twitter at you can find me on twitter at Dan zuda thank you guys for listening and we will talk to you